My name is August McLaughlin, and I've been contemplating girl boners for years. It's time for Girl Boner Radio with August McLaughlin, a spicy blend of personal stories, in-depth reporting, and inspiration. Girl Boner is where good girls go for sexual empowerment. Listen in as August McLaughlin, award-winning health and sexuality writer, explores female sexual pleasure like no one else. She's the big sister slash girlfriend you've always wanted, and she loves to talk sex. Only on Global Voice Broadcasting. Have you ever felt so compelled to do something that you could barely think about anything else? That's how I've long felt about Girl Boner, especially before I was able to start my blog series or this radio show. Today, I have another aspect of Girl Boner to share with you all, and I have to say, it's giving me butterflies. In honor of the Beauty of a Woman Blog Fest, an annual event I host on my blog, I'm going to share an excerpt from my Girl Boner book. The book won't be available for purchase for a while yet, as my fantastic agent, Jill Marr of Sandra Dykstra Literary, is currently shopping the book to publishers. In the meantime, I've decided to share with you all an experience that led me to launch my Girl Boner into the universe. I just love saying that. I call this chapter, The Orgasm That Changed My Life. I never imagined that the routine, if somewhat melancholy day, would end with one of the most beautiful and powerful orgasms of my life. The kind that leaves one elated, intoxicated, and swimming in grateful tears. One I never knew I'd allow myself, and a kind that many actually still deem controversial. Nor had I imagined that one sexual experience could change life as I knew it, leaving me in an enigmatic sea of what-ifs. But that is exactly what happened. I'd recently finished transitioning from my modeling-slash-acting career to full-time novel writing and journalism. My husband of one year was away, working on a commercial, a scenario I was, had grown accustomed to. I'd spent much of the day working on a story, an hour or two walking my American bulldog Zoe, a short while tidying our home and cooking the simplest curry I could conjure, and most of the evening trying to lure myself from a hefty case of the blahs. I wasn't experiencing any major depression, I know, because I've been there. I just wasn't feeling particularly happy, as though my normally high-voltage light bulb had fizzled down to dim. Making matters worse, the lonely gap longed not only to be filled, but coddled and cured by another. I hated that I wanted so desperately for my husband to be home. More than missing him, it was that pathetic, needy feeling I liked to think I had grown past. You should feel strong and fulfilled, I told myself, whole on your own. Only I wasn't. Not that night. I didn't have a good reason to feel low other than being someone prone to such lapses. I also lacked the strength and fortitude to pull myself from it. I should write more and stronger, I told myself. Getting lost in story was the best medicine I'd found. If writing didn't remove my sadness, it usually lessened or distracted me somewhat from it, but that night, my thoughts were fixated elsewhere. For the hundredth, perhaps thousandth time, I wondered why I had seemed so much happier single. How could I feel happily married and desolate at the same time? Was I merely insecure, I wondered? No, I was definitely insecure, though perhaps too proud to admit it to anyone else. But was that all? 
as though on cue my cell phone buzzed, alerting me to a text message. I leapt for it, hoping it was my husband, a serendipitous, I'm done and coming home early message. Nope. Hey, babe, you around tonight? It was Jeremy. My heart swelled at the thought of him as I stared longingly at the phone. The sexy, successful actor and I had met on one of my first nights out in the Hollywood scene and had shared explosive chemistry. Had I been single, I would have responded, met up with him and drowned my emptiness in cocktails and conversation until pheromones took over and we ended up naked and entangled in his Hollywood home. But I was genuinely happily married and honestly didn't feel the need or desire for someone else. The distraction, escape, and release such an interlude would bring, however, I could have used by the truckload. I entertained the notion for a few moments, more daydream fantasy than intention-filled, which only made me feel worse. So fucking alone. I'm pathetic, I reminded myself, of Bridget Jones and her diary, but really they had nothing on me. It's too bad I barely ever drink, I thought. Then again, if I'd found alcohol therapeutic, I may have been the biggest lush in the world. Get over yourself, I thought, hitting delete on Jeremy's message. You have so much to be grateful for. Count your blessings. You'll feel better tomorrow. Just breathe. Hoping for distraction, I flipped the TV on, scrolled through programs that failed to tantalize, then peruse Netflix. The first title under recommended for you was, I am not kidding, Diary of a Nymphomaniac. If there's a god, he has a serious sense of humor. Heck, I, I figured, why not? Minutes into the Spanish film about a young woman with an intense sex drive, I wondered if there had been anyone, ever, as masochistic as me. The very raw and real sensual scenes only highlighted my desperation, adding thoughts of, I wish I were sleeping, to the mix, if only to escape the day. Why didn't my husband struggle with such yearning when I was away? At least he never seemed to, and being the inquisitive type, I'd certainly asked... Perhaps my collective year of year and a half of singlehood and ex- sexual exploration hadn't been enough. His sexual history was far more diverse than mine, after all, having been an established musician and 15 years my senior. His confidence and experience were evident in his every move b- between the sheets, from which I gratefully benefited from. While some of that surely derived from his natural forte and perhaps our mutual chemistry, I imagine that he'd learned a heck of a lot along the way. So many experiences. So many women. Ugh, was I jealous? As if needy hadn't been enough. As though on autopilot, I began picturing previous women he'd dated, then imagined many more. Groupies throwing themselves at him after concerts. Erotic film-worthy one-night stands. Threesomes in hipster hotels I had no idea if he'd experienced. He must have had countless seductive fans and encounters in his musician days. The guy is hot and always has been. Oddly, I didn't care who the women were, whether they were cool or gawky, erotic or timid, lovely or plain. Then it struck me. I wasn't jealous of his partners, but of his vast experience I would never achieve. The more I pondered his sexual history, the more I craved him and his body. To relish every escapade he had ever had, I wanted him to show me, to describe every sensual detail, turn me on even more, and carry me into erotic ecstasy. In my mind, I played made-up clips of him with lovers like a rock star porn film, wishing I could edit myself into it. Damn it, why couldn't he be here? My hand moved involuntarily between my legs, a place I had never explored solo. Through the crotch of my thin cotton pants, I felt the heat swell of my pussy, its seemingly unquenchable want. 
I rubbed it for a frustrated moment, wishing like hell I knew how to make myself come. But self-stimulation had never worked for me, not without a firm penis tucked inside. In my 30 years of life, I had never once masturbated. A firm penis. If only... Wait. The toy! The thought replaced my angst with giddy curiosity. As a gag wedding gift, a girlfriend of mine had given us a dildo set. Enticed by the thought, we'd stashed it away under the heading, maybe someday. If I couldn't have a hard cock of flesh, a prosthetic seemed like the next best thing. What was the harm in trying? Feeling like a nervous teenager, I raced to the closet and pulled the sex toy from the wooden chest we'd stored it in. Rifling through layers of quilts and sweaters, my hand fell on the firm package. Yum. Simply touching it added vigor to my want and a happy curve to my lips. Removing the casing, I stared at the dildo in awe. The hot pink plastic penis glowed in the dark, given preemptive light exposure, but no way was I going to waste any time. Besides, where it was going was pretty lit up already. I climbed into the bed, clutching the toy like newfound treasure. As I peeled away my clothing, I glimpsed my reflection on the wall mirror. Blush crept up my neck and into my cheeks as though I'd been lost in passionate kisses. Salivating, I watched my chest move up and down, marked, marking labored breathing. My back arched involuntarily, pushing my rear out in kitty-like play. Everything about me seemed to have gone from frumpy and sad to titillating and turned on. If I could have kissed myself, lips on lips, twin tongues exploring, I would have. I wasn't attracted to myself, but to how it felt and appeared to be so gloriously turned on. I couldn't recall the last time I'd felt so uninhibited and alive. Wishing I had a man, any man, my man there, to envelop and ride, I said, screw it, and then screw, I did. When I pressed the tip of the dildo to my clitoris, chills rushed over my skin. I was wet, really wet, and visibly swollen. In the mirror, I could see my, my vaginal lips bulging outward, like fiery rosebuds blooming. I slid the toy inside me, moaning as delight spread through my body. I was making love to no one in mid-air, sublime. Overwhelmed by the need to grab onto someone or something, I pulled, piled up two pillows on top of each other and straddled them, then rocked to and fro, the dildo like a ready-to-launch rocket inside of me, my urge to climax so strong I could barely breathe. Within minutes it happened. The thing I had never deemed myself capable of. Pleasure shot through every cell in my body so hard that I released an uncontrollable wail. Then I crumpled to the bed, tears streaming down my cheeks. I did it, I thought. I really did it. I had made myself come. I would masturbated. Desperate to share the enlightening experience, I found my husband at work. Oh my God, he said. That's amazing, baby. Laughing in a tickled way, odd appreciation evident in his I'm at work tone. That conversation would go down as one of our favorites of all time. That night, I struggled to sleep. Amid my euphoric, nearly intoxicated state, my thoughts whirled back through my youth and early child, excuse me, early adulthood. So many years sans masturbation. How would my life have been different had I learned the art of self-stimulation and pleasure years ago? Profoundly, I deduced. No question about that. I recalled my high school boyfriend and also my first sex partner, Max. By that time, it had been ingrained in me that people were to be in love and, more importantly, married before having intercourse. 
I wasn't even terribly attracted to Max when we met, but he'd taken an interest in me and for reasons I couldn't fathom, and I was intrigued. Once our relationship grew physical, I developed a fondness. But now I wondered, for what? We'd broken up countless times only to end up back together, caught up in a makeup sex marathon. Loved ones told me numerous times that Max seemed controlling. Had he been? From my first time on, in addition to being joyful in a way to express love, sex had seemed like necessary medicine, a way to release the tension in my brain and body, to help me think and feel more clearly, even before I'd overcome long-standing body image and self-esteem problems. I recalled the many times I had struggled to focus in class without, throughout adolescence and high school, not because of sexual cravings, but what I'd called brain fog. Meanwhile, I obsessed over boys, whether or not they found me attractive, assuming they didn't. What if I had masturbated then? Would sun have shone through the fog even somewhat? Would I have had a taste of the relaxation empowerment I had now? Would I have felt less alone? I considered my relationship history, what my mother has jokingly compared to a very interesting movie. Throughout my 20s, I tried to remain single, each time ending in a hormonally charged new beginning with Mr. Seemed Right at the time. I leapt from one serious relationship to another, most ending in a tumultuous breakup. Within each partnership, I seemed to lose valuable parts of myself. Only afterward, in my scarce episodic singleness, did some level of empowerment find me. Like mirrors, I attracted guys as insecure as I was, or who thrived in my deficiencies. Would I have forged so many relationships if I'd been inclined to address my sexual urges myself, or even recognize my sexual urges myself? Certainly, masturbation wasn't a substitute for intimate relationships. Even as a rookie, that was clear. Regardless, I sensed countless benefits. The only time I hadn't craved sex and sought it with frequency from a partner took place when I was modeling in Europe in my late teens. There, my unaddressed depression had transformed into anorexia, a disease that robs the sufferer of her femininity, every curve and sexual want, and one that nearly took my life. Would all of that have happened had I been more connected with my body and self-sexually? More questions accumulated in my mind like flakes in a dizzy snow globe, where had my sexuality begun? At birth? With menstruation? I flashed back to my mom's You're a Woman Now speech. With Max? Losing my virginity? It certainly hadn't started in sex ed class. From where had my beliefs about my sexual behaviors and capabilities derived? I thought of my grandmother, who taught me early on that everything down there is private and shouldn't be touched by anyone, not even me. Of the decades I had spent loathing my body's shape and appearance, of the major depression both I and my mother, whose parents discouraged sexuality in countless demeaning ways, had endured, of the lingering insecurities I hadn't been able to shake or make a dent in, even with years of internal self-work and strengthening, I looked down at my naked body that night, trembling pink and postcoital, and saw, perhaps for the first time, the precious castle I'd been living in, yet had long neglected. Making love with myself was like dusting off a layer of dislike, revealing authenticity, inner beauty, and potential. My sparse tears turned into soft weeping as it hit me. Here I was at age 30, finally learning to fully love my body and, by extension, myself. That night opened my eyes to what I'd been missing for decades, which went far beyond masturbation. 
It began to dawn on me that embracing our sexuality and capacity for pleasure can be as crucial to living a full, healthy life as eating a balanced diet and getting sufficient nightly sleep. How can we live sensuous lives if we don't embrace our own sensuality and all it stands for, or buy into damaging sex-related myths, of which I would learn there are so many? How many of the negative notions about female sexuality were invalid? Do we really desire or value sex less than men? Guys are expected to masturbate. Why aren't we? Were other women grappling with similar struggles and epiphanies? Surely I wasn't a soul case, or even close, I imagined. How would all of our lives differ if women encouraged, were encouraged to celebrate and explore their sexuality? To answer these questions, I would have to put my research cap on, not for the sake of stories I was working on for once, but to make sense of my own journey and existence. If there was one thing I'd learned by then, it was that digging deeper and gaining understanding of oneself are keys to emotional fulfillment and any chance of giving back to the world. Little did I know then that through my investigation, I would discover what I now believe to be my life's purpose. That purpose, my lovelies, is Girl Boner. This is me talking now, not the book. (laughs) The five years since that experience have been wondrous. And not simply because self-stimulation is routine for me now, though that is certainly part of it. Shifting from loving sex to truly embracing my sexuality, paired with study into my personal sexual journey and sexuality as a whole, have brought not only empowerment and opportunities I never dreamed possible, but this sense of hope and purpose that carry me through even dark days. As for those really dark days when my vibrancy dwindled, They have become so much less intense, far further between, and I truly believe there are many, many women out there who lack the empowerment I lacked and who can gain as much, if not more, empowerment than I've gained. To learn more about all I've learned and continue to learn about sexuality and female sensuality in particular, stay tuned. I hope you enjoyed the sneak peek and that you'll stop by my blog at augustmclaughlin.wordpress.com for links to other stories related to the theme, Beauty of a Woman. In addition to the original theme I've had for the past two years, I've added a girl boner category so that women and people who've been reading my, we also have a few men actually, uh, people who've been reading my blog and um, have messages that they want to relay about the beauty of a woman specifically related to sexuality so that they'd have a platform. So um, on the day that this is actually releasing on iTunes, we are going to be having the Girl Boner Fest, and several days later will be the original Beauty of a Woman blog fest. If you miss the actual dates of the fest, if you're listening to this at another time, the last week in February, you can still find uh, contributors' stories. The links will be permanently on my blog, and they are so inspiring and funny and uplifting, and these women are just so beautiful and brave. Uh, all you have to do is either go to my blog and click the Beauty of a Woman tab or Google August McLaughlin's blog and Beauty of a Woman Blog Fest 3. Thank you so much for listening today and every time that you tune in. If you're enjoying Girl Boater Radio, I hope you'll consider posting a rating and review on iTunes, which will help keep the program running strong. For more podcast fun, check out other shows on Global Voice Broadcasting. I really love Dr. Lisa's Health and Heels. The Craig and Robbie Hour is hilarious. There's a great spirit radio show. Um, check in. You can, you can find them on Global Voice Broadcasting. You can also find them on iTunes. 